Welcome to All Places Together. Here we believe that our lives are connected to one another and rooted in God's inclusive and expansive love for diverse creation. I'm Colleen Montgomery, the pastor of All Places Together and your podcast host. Wherever you are, whoever you are, however you are, take a deep breath. I've got a question for you. What language does God speak? Now, when I tell you I can answer this week's question with three words, it does kind of feel like cheating. And while I can answer the question in three words, I've got a lot more to share about the implications to this answer and what it all means about our experience with God. So what language does God speak? All of them. Okay, okay, I know, you're probably groaning right now, and you would better believe that I'm making a real dad joke face right now. Like, duh, God speaks all of the languages. Yet I do believe that the implications of this truth are bigger than we might initially think, and that God's multilingualness, or is it multilingualnality? I'm not sure. Either way, God's ability to speak and understand multiple languages deeply impacts the way that we experience God and God's people. There are two Bible stories that come immediately to mind when I think about God and language. The first comes very early in the first book of the Hebrew scriptures. The story of the Tower of Babel is told in the 11th chapter of Genesis. This takes place after Adam and Eve have their whole thing in the garden, uh, Noah and the ark and the flood, but before anything else happens with Abraham and Sarah. So this is a really early story in the Bible. I also think it's important to frame this story as one that might be myth. It's kind of a prehistory part of Genesis. So I don't know that this literally happened. Truth be told, I tend to think that it didn't. Regardless, I think this story teaches us something important about God. And what it teaches us is important for our question today. In this story, all of the people of the world are speaking a single language. And if we follow the direct storyline of Genesis so far, this is because all of these people are direct descendants of Noah. After all, everyone else had died in the flood. So several generations of people have been born and lived since the flood, and they start to spread across the land. Then this is what happens in Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 to 9. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as they migrated from the east, they came upon a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and fire them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitmen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we shall be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the mortals had built. And the Lord said, Look, they are one people and they all have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language there, so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, it was called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of all of the earth, 
And from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the whole earth. There's such an irony in this story, right? The irony of the people building the city and the tower so that they don't get scattered all over the earth. And then God ends up scattering them all over the earth because they built the city and the tower. It's like vexing in a way. Like I kind of wonder like if they had just let it be, maybe things could have stayed the same or been the way they wanted them to be. I'm not sure. However, what I do think that this story is doing is creatively imagining why there are so many languages. That it's God's choice. God chooses, whether literally in the way that this story describes or perhaps through another type of design, for humanity to speak many diverse languages. Different cultures and tribes developed languages all over the world. Throughout the course of time, these languages shifted, combined, and divided into the 6,500-plus languages that we know of today. And God chose for each of them to exist. Whether through direct action or how just creation unfolded by God's plan and design, God was good with all of the languages. God is good with all of the different spoken, written, and embodied languages of the world. God chose for them to exist. God understands, interacts, and moves through each of them. Each language can be used to praise God, pray to God, and proclaim God's love to the world. Which ties into the next Bible story I want to share. In the New Testament, we are given a story about how Jesus' followers gained the ability to speak so many languages. This is the story of Pentecost. Pentecost comes from the word in Greek that means 50. It's the 50th day after Easter. Pentecost is also a holiday in the Christian church. And if you're listening to this podcast on the day it came out, May 28th, then this is Pentecost. This story comes from the book of Acts, which is a sequel to the gospel of Luke. Jesus has been crucified, resurrected, and ascended back up into heaven. The disciples are waiting for what comes next. And this is what comes next. So this is Acts 2, verses 1 to 13. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every people under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. 
In this miraculous story, the Holy Spirit comes and essentially downloads the ability to speak another language into Jesus's followers. Now, chances are they each already knew a little bit of a few languages. For Jesus's first disciples and for Jesus himself, um, their first language would have been Aramaic. Jesus would have had some Hebrew to be able to read the scriptures that are written in Hebrew, as well as some ancient Greek called Koine Greek. Koine Greek was the language of the empire and was also spoken outside of his home region. Some of his followers may have had some Hebrew and Greek as well, but people from various places and traditions also had other languages, and they also came to know Jesus as well. The power of this story is God's action to give Jesus' followers the ability to speak these languages instantaneously. The Holy Spirit comes so that the word of Jesus can more quickly be spread to people of other places. Like, I think the word would have gotten there eventually, but this certainly puts the telling of Jesus' story on an accelerated track. What these two stories show us together is that God chooses people to speak different languages in general, and that God then chooses the immediate followers of Jesus to be able to speak all of these different languages as well. And I think that trickles down to us, those of us who speak English 2,000 years later. This means that there isn't one language that is the only language that God speaks. God doesn't have only one language that God uses to communicate with people. Likewise, God's people don't only speak one language. Because of Pentecost, we speak all of the languages, right? God's people don't only speak Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, aka the original language of the Bible. We speak thousands of different languages. This shows us how big God truly is. God understands the languages of all people, and each language can also be used to talk about God. Each language has its strengths when it comes to talking about God, and each language also has limitations as well. I don't know if God has a favorite language or not, but what I do know is that all of the languages are valid and work. All of the languages are beautiful. And this includes sign language, braille, and other mediated forms of communicating too. Now, each person may have a bias towards their first language or the languages that they speak. Because of this, it's important for us to be reminding ourselves that just because someone doesn't speak our language, that doesn't mean that they aren't smart or can't talk about God, right? They could be thinking the same thing about us because we don't speak their language. Not all Christians throughout history have considered this when it comes to sharing their faith. European colonizers who shared their faith with the indigenous people on whose land they entered often assumed that the indigenous people were less intelligent than they were. This bias and assumption had violent impacts that are still with us today. In the present, European descent Christians need to continue to learn about the lasting effects of this, to strive to uncenter ourselves and to follow God's lead in seeking reconciliation and restoration. Remembering differences in language and communication is also especially important when we are encountering someone with a disability or who has a diagnosis that includes different or varied speech patterns. People's bodies articulate, sign, or indicate words in different ways. And God understands all of that. 
and with patience and education, so can we. The more we open ourselves up to learning from and communicating with people who speak different languages or communicate in other ways, the more we learn about God, God's world, and each other. We come to see both more of God's beauty and realize how much we don't yet see or understand. When we read stories in the Bible that are new to us, when we listen to people who are different from us talk about their experience with God, or when we listen to music or worship in another language, even when we don't understand it, we experience God in new ways. We are taken to new depths of compassion that we didn't know we could reach. As we hear stories of unfathomable forgiveness, we begin to believe that we might be able to forgive more too. We marvel at beauty that our skill set or imagination couldn't create. Our wells of strength are poured into as we receive new stories of perseverance. We say yes to God's invitation to care for others and creation after sitting at the feet of those who are wiser than us. The truth and beauty of who God is can't be contained in a single language. Humanity needs all of them. It's all part of God's design. So what language does God speak? Yours, mine, theirs, his and hers, each and every one of them. Let's listen and speak together. A prayer for languages. Hi, hola, chesh, ni hao, habari. There are so many ways that people call out to you, God. Some of them I know and recognize, and some of them I don't know at all. I give thanks for the gift of each language and the unique beauty it shows in the world. Empower the work of linguists, teachers, and translators so that we can communicate more deeply. Open my heart to the words and experiences of others so your love can connect and unite us. Remind me that you love all of us, whatever language we speak. Amen. Thank you for joining us at All Places Together. We hope you experience God's love for you and the world in today's episode. Have you heard the news that All Places Together is hiring? APT has been selected to be a remote site for a new program of our denomination, the ELCA Young Adult Vocational Fellows. We are looking for a content and community fellow for the 2023-24 school year. This young adult will work on creating content for All Places Together and its outreach ministry, Mother Hen, and also work on building community with all of the various folks that are connected to APT in different ways. If you know someone who might be interested, please send them to our website to learn more. In just two weeks, my regional church body is meeting for our 
governing meeting. It's called the Virginia Senate Assembly. If you're a voting member at it, I look forward to seeing you there. I'll be at the sound and tech booth most of the time, so come and find me and say hello. If you're not attending, you can follow along through Instagram stories and catch the live stream on the Virginia Synod YouTube. Regardless, or even if you don't pay attention to it all, I do ask that you keep this meeting in your prayers. We are electing a new bishop and lots of other leaders that will shape the mission and ministry of Lutheranism in Virginia, and we need your prayers for sure. Thank you to our mission partners, the Virginia Synod and the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Being church together is so important. Thank you to each and every one of you who give financially to empower the ongoing work of all places together. If you would like to give a gift to APT, you can go to our website, allplacestogether.org. Scroll to the bottom where it says give to all places together. Click that button and you'll be redirected to our giving platform. Until next time, remember that God is with you and loves you wherever, whoever, and however you are.